0: You are listening to Koinonia Church where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Can I say Merry Christmas? Is that all right? Merry Christmas. It's right upon us. If you're not ready, it's too late. You're you're in trouble. You're in trouble. What a beautiful service already this morning. Thank you to all your parents who so faithfully brought your kids and for the kids who uh, just did that wonderful production and video and dance and just beautiful, beautiful to have the kids involved. Uh, I always notice the house is full whenever we have kids on stage. It's always, every good pastor knows that the way that you get a full house is you just invite more kids to be on the stage and their parents and their grandparents and everybody shows up. So welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody that's here. In just a few moments, I'm going to continue our series. Uh, Emmanuel got with us, but I do want to give you a quick report uh, on our trip uh, to India. We were just in India. My wife, myself, my son, and Josh Ramey uh, were there for— uh, we were gone for 10 days, <clears throat> but because it's so far in terms of travel— we, I think we were in country for six days because it takes about 30 or so hours in travel time to get there uh, and also to get back. And we visited uh, the work uh, that we have been supporting in India now for almost 20 years. Next year, it will be 20 years, the anniversary of the tsunami that uh, hit southern India. And uh, we began supporting Care India stateside. It's called Reach India. In, uh, in in countries called Care India, but it's the same thing. We began supporting them uh, 20 years ago, and uh, I am just so excited uh, just to feel, uh, once again, affirmed that uh, our investment as a church uh, is in good hands and is growing. Uh, every month we give uh, to Care India, and because of that, churches are planted, uh, pastors are supported. Uh, widows are fed who wouldn't be fed otherwise uh, young girls through the Save the Girl program are given backpacks and educational resources They get education they may not get otherwise sometimes parents will even uh, sell their daughters uh, into slavery sometimes because um, of, of the view uh, of the devaluation of, of, of little girls there and Save the Girl is as just a loved on and cared for thousands of young ladies Uh, Dug water wells, clean water wells in villages and uh, moved into new villages, just in an an incredible work uh, that Care India does there. So um, they work primarily in villages in southeastern India, uh, just to the north of Chennai. And so we visited uh, three different sites, probably seven total churches, uh, and got a feel for the work. Uh, that they're doing and it was just incredible overwhelming and exciting i want to invite josh ramey to come up uh, and just to share just for a few moments uh, some of the highlights maybe that for him were special and uh and what what hit him uh, about our time there I, I think we have some slides or some pictures that'll be playing in the background give you a flavor for that but uh, josh what'd you think about the trip give us a little report
0: uh, good morning um the trip was amazing it's uh if anybody already watched Carrie deliver the first one, it's, it's hard to follow her, um, but I'm kind of used to it because I've been walking with pastors Andrew and Carrie for about a week now, and watching them minister and teach and preach, it was amazing. It, it really was. I, I'm honored to have been included in that. Um, man, what stood out? Uh, it, it's a whole different world there. But in the church, it's the same. Mm -hmm. We spend most of our time in churches and breaking buried with our brothers and sisters in India. And that was was truly phenomenal. It's uh, life changing to go someplace that is completely foreign. I mean, like from that guy telling us about his God um, to seeing giant statues bigger than this building of actual idols on the roadways to stepping into a church, and their worship was just beautiful. Um, man, I can't compare it to anything else. When we were in that service, and they were getting communion ready, and they were, they were worshiping, and it sounded like heaven was opened up, and it was just angels. And it was so similar to what I feel here when we worship. And when we would be in front and teaching, it was like they honored us so much. And it took me a little bit to realize that it's because we are brothers and sisters. I mean, from the person across the aisle here to the person across the ocean, that's what that person doesn't get who is talking about his power over here. His power over here isn't real. The Lord's power is real because we can touch across the world. We get to make a difference across. In India, there's a difference, and they were praising what we do because we're a part of it. We're a part of the church. And what we did over there wasn't something that we did. It was just something that we're part of. And it was breathtaking, to say the least. Um, Carrie said uh, she hoped I'd cry, but um, I did that over there. I I did that over there Um, I can remember the moment that the Lord Lord kind of snapped my heart over there we were in a village and it was the poorest it was the most poverty I've ever seen and I was talking to this young woman and she invited us into her house which was a hut and she just asked us to pray over her house and she was so proud of her house. She was so proud of her house. She was so proud to have us pray with her. And everything in me was broken because I couldn't handle that, but she was stronger than me. She had the Lord. She had the Lord in such joy. Like she didn't need anything else. And it was, it was truly amazing to witness. Um, I just seen how much they had in the Lord and um, how we don't need as much as we think we do. You know, in, in, the, in the Bible, I was thinking about this in the first service. There, there was rich churches and there was poor churches. And I think we all know which one we are. And what we're supposed to do is, is give and help. Like, we're, we're all part of the same thing. And it was just amazing to see it. It was amazing to see how big our God is. It's
1: a great report. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. The, the things that we were able to be a part of um, were basically just the, their normal things that, uh, that happen. Uh, we, we were part of a graduation of a, one of the tailoring schools. Um, the top students of that area uh, received uh, sewing machines, and these are sewing machines that, that look like they're uh, 75 years old, right? They're, they're the, the old galvanized mechanical foot pedal sewing machines. And uh, and these top students were able to, to be a part of giving them each uh, a sewing machine that then they were able to go and uh, support their family. And, and what one woman said that uh, because of the the skills that she had learned through the tailoring school. Uh, She was able to make about $100 a month supporting her family uh, with a skill that she didn't have otherwise. Uh, And They they do that uh, for free, I I think almost for free. I think their registration fee, we figured out was less than uh, $2 or something. Um, and, uh, and then they give ten, 10 weeks of training to anyone, any woman that desires to learn. Doesn't matter if they come from a different faith background, doesn't matter uh, really anything other than just their willingness to learn. Uh, and then they equip these ladies, and then at the same time as they're equipping them, they're ministering to them, loving on them, praying for them, teaching them the Word of God. Uh, just a beautiful thing. We, we were able to be a part of the Christmas distribution for widows uh, in this area. Uh, and about a hundred widows from that surrounding community uh, were a part of that, and they gave them each a, a sari and then a, a blanket and then a wonderful uh, feast, a meal afterwards. Uh, uh, and we, we visited at least seven churches, I think. And uh, it just just so, so incredible. One of the things that we got to do uh, was to break ground on a church. Uh, in Manubolu, which is a little village of, uh, well, actually, I, I filmed a little video. The audio is terrible, uh, but it seemed like it worked at the first service, so I'm just going to show you where we bro- broke ground, where we we're raising money to, to build this building. This here on the site of uh, a brand new church that's going to be built on this spot right here in the village of Manubolu. Uh, this village is uh, a village of, uh, a tribal village, a village of untouchables in the casts in India, There are 350 families uh, in this small community, and already the church has been established here. There's uh, about 70 believers, and this will be their first church that will be established in this spot that Koinonia is going to fund. We were able just to be a part of the groundbreaking and laying the cornerstone. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. This so it's pretty cool. So, as a church, I think it's eighteen thousand dollars is what it costs to build this building, uh, and we're going to build a church building. It'll be the first church within this community. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, it's a it's a community of uh, what they call a tribal village of the lowest caste or the lowest social rung in India, uh, and the Dalits. And um, and so this was previously an unevangelized village that Kerry, India went into began to minister, and now have, uh, you know, 60 or 70 converts, and uh, we're going to, as a church, build their church building for them. And, uh, yeah, and so... If you would like to be a part of that, that that's as uh, Candace mentioned just a few moments ago, uh, our Christmas end of the year campaign always involves two elements, a global and a local element. The global element is uh, raising f- funds to build this building that costs $18,000. I actually have seen Koinonia raise much, much more than that. I think we should actually build two or three churches, frankly. Um, so if you would like to give uh, towards that, Uh, it's pretty easy to do that you can of course uh, give it in an envelope and mark on it uh, India or church in India or if you go to on the online giving you'll see on the drop-down I think it's the second thing there it says global uh, giving Christmas giving and uh, and the church building program and every dollar will go towards building that building that building one of the great things I love to do at Christmas time is particularly for family members that really don't need any gifts uh, and there's always those, right? It's like, why in the world am I gonna get for this person? They don't need anything. Give them $100 or $50 uh, towards, in their name, give it to build this building that will have eternal impact and consequences rather than spending that 20 or 50 or $100 on a piece of junk that's gonna get thrown away uh, in three months or six months. Uh, This is something that we can do as a church together, which really will have eternal impact. We may never actually meet these people on this earth, but we will see them in heaven uh, and we'll get to celebrate together about how great our God is and how much of an honor it is just to be a part of his family. So if you'd like to be a part of that, please, I wanna encourage you to do so. Okay. Open up your Bible, please, to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to uh, continue our series here called Emmanuel God with Us. Uh, and I just want to spend the next few minutes with you uh, lifting Jesus high uh, because, at the end of the day, that is what we are to always do in every church service and as Christians. Uh, our whole focus would be to make sure that Jesus is lifted high. And uh, our theme for the theme verse for this series is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. And it simply says this, All this took place, speaking of the birth of Jesus, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, it says what the Lord said through the prophet. That prophet is the prophet Isaiah. If you were to look up Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, you'll see that exact quote there. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is, means God with us. Isaiah was a prophet uh, who lived about 600 years before the birth of Christ. And if you, are to look, if you were to look at his book in the Old Testament, it's one of the larger books. Uh, they call him a major prophet, not because he's more important than the other prophets in the Old Testament, but because his book is a, one of the larger books. And it's, uh, Isaiah says probably more about Jesus, more prophecy specifically about the Messiah, than maybe any other prophet and any other book in the Old Testament. Uh, Among other things, Isaiah says that he prophesied that Jesus or the Messiah would come from the line of David, the King David. He said that Jesus would be, or the Messiah would be a suffering servant. Many uh, many thought that the Messiah would only be a conquering ruler, right? They were anticipating uh, the king, a king who would come and set his people free. But Isaiah in particular Uh, had this stream of communication where he he described the Messiah as one who would come in the form of a servant and he would suffer. Isaiah is the one who said that he would be pierced for our transgressions. Uh, and, And each one of these prophecies in Isaiah about the Messiah you see fulfilled so specifically, so spectacularly in the life of Jesus. When you compare the life of Jesus and what Isaiah said 600 years before, I think it's really difficult for you to, to ignore like, the, uh, the similarities here. It's like, wait a second, uh, this, you can't just invent these connections. Isaiah said in chapter 42 that, that the Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles. He said in chapter 61 that he would be an anointed preacher. Jesus himself actually quotes Isaiah at the beginning of his ministry when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Isaiah is a big deal. I want to look with you at Isaiah chapter 9, and I want to focus on on two verses, really one verse in particular, and uh, some names or titles that Isaiah gives to the Messiah. And I think it's appropriate uh, because this time uh, during Christmas, we often, quote, this verse, but we don't always sort of dig into it and really think about what it means. This is how it reads, and if you want to follow along, uh, I've prepared as as normal, all the sermon notes, uh, you can find them in the Church Center app. As per usual, I have too much material and not enough time. Uh, Candace told me I needed to slow down uh, because I was trying to get through all of it in the first service, so I'm going to do my best to preach slow uh, but excited at the same time. Um, This is what Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, for and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you just bow your head just for one moment? Lord Jesus, our desire this morning is to meet with you. And as I speak today, Holy Spirit, we're just asking you, would you reveal Jesus to us, to each and every heart that's here, each and every person that's listening. Lord, we just pray that there would be a revelation of who you are, Lord, we, we don't want to just hear a nice message this morning. I don't want to speak nice words. I'm asking, God, that you would actually, by your power, you would begin uh, to work mightily something in our spirits, that you would begin to reveal who Jesus is, that Jesus would be lifted high today and that he would draw us to himself, that he would actually bring us closer so that when we leave today, we would leave changed and transformed by an encounter with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his precious name. Everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Isaiah says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I just want to spend a few moments looking at each one of those titles with you. I took a a little word study. I did a little word study on each of these and and just want to spend a little time uh, digging into the meaning of each one of these names. When we come to Jesus, we don't come to a mere teacher or a mere human. We don't come just to a wise person who walked on the face of the earth and gave us some nice moral principles. We actually come to God in the flesh. We come to the risen Savior who today is alive in heaven, seated on a throne of grace, interceding, praying for you, And for me, and it's important for us to understand who Jesus is. Many times we can miss Jesus in the midst of Christmas. Sometimes we'll we'll gather together at Christmas time. We'll read the Christmas story. We'll talk about the baby Jesus. We'll read verses like "For unto us a, a child is born, a son is given," and we'll miss the reality of the fullness of who Jesus is. If we're not careful, we'll get a small version of Jesus. Uh, we'll get a, a sort of truncated version of who Jesus is, and it's really, really important that we would understand that Jesus is beyond what we can understand. He is actually the greatest person in the universe. My favorite subject is to talk about Jesus, because he is first and foremost before everyone and anyone. He's the one who opened the door to heaven for us, and he today continues to hold that door open until the full count of all those who are called into heaven would come into his, his kingdom. So I just want to look at these names because I think there's a lot that's here. Let's, let's talk about wonderful counselor. If you're taking notes, I would just have you write, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Would you say that, wonderful counselor? Say it loud like you mean it, wonderful counselor. Listen, if, if number one, you would write this maybe, he is too wonderful for us to fully understand or describe. We used to sing a song um, years ago called "I Stand in Awe," and in part the words of the song, uh, I won't sing it. Pastor Roger would sing it to you, but I won't sing it to you this morning. The, the words of the song says something like, "You, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard." When when it says "wonderful Counselor," that word "wonderful." In the Hebrew is the word Pele, P-E-L-E. It means miraculous or extraordinary. So it's it's beyond human abilities. What what we're describing here, what the the prophet is is describing here, is someone that is supernatural, that, that that is is beyond human capacity and capability when it says wonderful it's not just like you know it's wonderful like it's you know it was a great day it's wonderful as in out of this world beyond what we can imagine beyond even what we can describe see there's something about jesus that is too wonderful for us to be able to contain see if you can understand god your god is too small if you can understand jesus if you're comfortable with Jesus, Jesus is too small for you. If you have him figured out, he's too small for you. This is not the kind of God, this is not the kind of Messiah that Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about a Messiah that is wonderful beyond comprehension, beyond our understanding. This is what uh, Psalms 145 verse 3 says. It says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness No one can fathom. See, it's beyond our ability to really get to the point of fully encompassing, describing, and understanding our God. We can't fathom, it's too deep for us. It's too wonderful for us. It's, it's just beyond the, I mean, as, as much as we can understand, and I tell you what, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you will understand of him, the more he will reveal himself to you, and the more incredible you will sense that how wonderful he is. You just go, wow, Jesus, I, I, I didn't even, I thought I sort of understood you, yesterday, but today I now know there's even more of you than I could ever hope. See, in eternity, we think, yeah, in eternity in heaven, we're gonna be up on a cloud, we're gonna be like playing little violins and eating bonbons or something. But, but real, in the reality, what the scripture says in heaven, there will be a continuous, a continuous worship service where, where we will continually declare to the Lord, Jesus, you are wonderful and beyond comprehension. And it won't get old because we will be be before him, we will be in his presence, and he will be continually revealing himself to us that even in heaven, we will continue to be surprised by how great God is. That's how wonderful he is. He is beyond our comprehension. Psalm 139.14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that. Full well. Number two, if, if you're taking notes, you write this, he is a counselor who always knows what is best. First of all, he's too wonderful for us to describe, but secondly, that counselor word is a word uh, that is um, in Hebrew, yoetz. It means that he's one that gives good advice and counsel. It's really, I would say, not even just good advice, not great advice, but always the best advice. There's many people that are wise. There's many people that will give you good advice. There's many people that tell you you good things. But Jesus will always tell you the right thing. He will tell you the perfect thing. He will tell you the thing that is strategic for your life. He will lead you in ways that are always for your best. See, Because he knows everything. The, The wonderful thing about the counselor is that there's no subject that he's not familiar with. There's nothing that he's not an expert on. There's no subject that we can't go to him and ask him a question and get him stumped. He knows it all. He's the wonderful counselor. Psalms 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. This is the promise that we have from Jesus, the promise that we have from the Father, that he actually is available for counsel. He hasn't just left us on our own. He, he doesn't want us just to figure it out. He actually loves it when we come to Him and ask Him for help. Psalm 73 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Well, that's beautiful. See, I, I don't know what you're, what you're challenged with today. I don't know if, if it's a financial thing that you don't understand. We need financial wisdom. I don't know if your kids are driving you nuts or your marriage is a mess or, you know, if, if work has got you stomped or there, there's a problem that you don't have the answer to. I want to suggest to you that the, the person that we should be going to is not our friends. It's, it's not maybe a Google search. It's, it's, it's not just asking for good advice. It's actually going before Jesus and saying, Jesus, what should I do? G- g- give me the answer, Lord. Give me counsel here. Uh, James says, That the Lord loves to give wisdom to anyone who asks that he's, he's happy to give wisdom to anybody that, that simply comes to him, he will actually give to them that wisdom. One of, I think one of the greatest prayers that we can pray is, Lord, give me wisdom, show me what to do. Would you guide my steps? Would you lead me in the way that you want me to go? God, there's what I think, there's what my family thinks, there's what other people think. I want what you think, God, because you're the wonderful counselor. You're the best at giving the right advice at the right time, And you never, you never fail. Thirdly, the wonderful counselor now is with us forever. See, wonderful counselor is a title of Jesus, but counselor is also a title of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 says this, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, speaking of the Holy Spirit. See, if you know Jesus today, you actually have the counselor living inside of you. So it's not just we're praying to Jesus up there in heaven, We actually have access to Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit that is here right now living inside of us. For all those who know Jesus Christ, he's given them the counselor, the wonderful counselor that lives inside of you. The wonderful counselor that that is ready to give you all that you need. He's empowering you and strengthening you and leading you and guiding you. And if we will but just come to him and listen to him, he will always lead us in the right way. Would you say, wonderful counselor? He's a wonderful counselor. Second, Jesus is our mighty God. He's our mighty God. If you're taking notes, write just this. His might is without limits. When it says mighty there, that's the word gabor in Hebrew. Now, I just want to make a note here that I don't know Hebrew. And, uh, and so when it says gabor, I'm trusting that the Google search got the word right. Okay? So I'm not trying to give you words to impress you that somehow your pastor reads the Hebrew language and has got all this stuff. No, 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 I I gotta do research, I gotta do study. You can do it too. It's pretty amazing what what, what you can discover. The word Gabor, mighty, means strength, power, or might. But it's not just ordinary power, it's not human power, it's it's the ability to act effectively with force. The idea is here that the prophet is saying that the Messiah is, is not just gonna have human strength, not just human ability, but divine strength. See, he's, he's testifying, he's prophesying that this Messiah is going to be divine. He's not, he, he's, he's more than a mere human. He's literally going to be God in the flesh, fully human and fully divine. And, and this mighty means he's a powerful protector who can overcome every enemy and provide security and safety for his people. See, when we come to our God who is mighty. When we come to Jesus, who is the mighty God, we know that we're coming to a God who cannot be defeated. We're coming to a God who is a God of the impossible, that there is nothing that he cannot do. And when we, I mentioned this earlier, many times our God is too small. We have decided that God has limits. We have decided that God is not interested. We have decided that somehow god is, is not involved but i want to tell you that we we serve a god of the impossible We serve a God who is mighty beyond our ability. There is nothing that he can't do. There is no wall that he cannot break down. There is no marriage that he cannot fix. There is no body that he cannot heal. There is no situation that is so broken that he cannot come in and restore it. He can bring the dead back to life. He takes bones and puts flesh on them. This is the mighty God that we serve. Psalms 147 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Would you say no limit? See, there is no limit to God. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. Many times we have this idea that God can't, maybe, that God doesn't have enough capacity to deal with my prayer because there's so many other prayers in the world, right? We think, oh, there's 7 billion, 8 billion people on the planet. God doesn't have time for me. He's busy doing the other big stuff. It doesn't work that way. There is no limit to God. He can hear your prayer and he does hear your prayer just like he hears anyone else's prayer because he doesn't go to sleep, he doesn't get tired, he doesn't get distracted, he's not somewhere else, he doesn't go on a trip and say, I need a vacation from these people, they're driving me crazy. He's a God without limits. He's a God that has full supply. And so when we come to the mighty God, when we come to Jesus, we have full assurance. He's a God that can do anything. He can solve anything. He can set people free who are bound. He can break addictions today. He can help you overcome the thing that seems impossible to you. Why? He's a mighty God. He doesn't know limits. He's not limited today. He's a God that is limitless. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But will rejoice over you with singing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a mighty warrior who saves. Josh mentioned this a few moments ago. We met a Hindu man uh while we were there in, in India. Uh we, we were trying to go buy some sodas at the store, and this uh we were kind of intercepted by this guy uh who wanted to uh discover that it was pretty obvious that we were white uh gringos, and uh and he said, hey, can I talk to you? And he, he spoke English pretty well. And so we, we sat down. Uh, we didn't really want to sit down, but we figured we, we probably should sit down and be nice and act like we were nice people. And So we sat down. <laughs> and he began to tell us about uh, the God that he worshipped. And he said, I, I worship Lord whatever. I, I, didn't, I couldn't understand the Lord that he worshipped. In, in Hinduism, I think there's something like 8,000 gods that they worship. And No, no, I'm sorry. It's 8 million. It, it's, it's 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 insane. Uh, and uh, so he told us the name of his Lord, and uh, he started to describe how his Lord had given him power, and, and, he, and I, I won't even go into the power that he had, it was, it was comical, um, but, uh, but I, I said to him, I said, well, we, we worship actually the, the, the God of the universe, you know, we worship the King of Kings, and, and he said to this, he, he said, you can call your God whatever you want, it's all about power, and, and for him, it was, it was all about the power that he could get from the God that he worshiped. See, because he'd made a deal with him. Somehow there's this exchange. This, this is what idol worship is, right? This, this is what uh, paganism is. We're, we're going to worship at the altar. We're gonna make a deal with a spirit or an idol or a God so that we can have some kind of power that we didn't have before. This is what this guy, this is what this guy <laughs> said to me. I wanted to get into sort of a, uh, a power discussion with him uh, because I know the mighty God. Um, but we were there um, as guests in that community, so, so we didn't want uh, to get into it with him. Uh, but there is, when we come to Jesus, the mighty God, there, there is no deal that we're making with an exchange to get power. Uh, we, we, we are not like sort of um, paying tribute so that we can get some power to do some things. Uh, We actually have a a God that is so mighty that, number one, he doesn't need to give his power to anybody. Uh, He doesn't need us to worship him. But when we do come to him, he freely gives to us salvation he freely gives to us his Holy Spirit. This is, this is not, there is an exchange, but it's not an exchange of bribery. It's not an exchange where I'm trying to, try, trying to make my God happy and so I'm praying to him so that he can actually uh, smile at me. Now, that, that's not the God that we serve. We serve a mighty God who's the God of the universe that knows no limits, that, that is greater than every other power. See, the God is not in an eternal battle with the, with the enemy. The enemy is not the equal and opposite to God. The devil is a created being who has limited power for a limited time. And so when we come to the mighty God, then we come to one who has power over every being in the universe. There is nothing that can limit his power. He is supreme above all other things. Let me just read this to you. It's it's not on the screen. Psalm 86 verse 8 says this. There's no one quite like you among the gods, O Lord and nothing to compare with your works. All the nations you made are on their way, ready to give honor to you, Lord, ready to put your beauty on display, parading your greatness and the great things that you do. God, you're the one. There's no one but you. If you're taking notes, number two under this point is is our God is not like any other God. See, our, our mighty God, at the end of time, will actually line up all of the nations before his throne. Can you imagine all of the people on the earth that have ever lived and will have ever lived, God's going to line them up before his throne. How big does your throne have to be in order to line up all the nations of the world? And he's going to line them up by people group. There's going to be the nation of India and then the nation of, uh, of America, and it'll be very small compared to many other nations, and uh, and, and there will be a sense in that hall, in that great and vast space of how great and mighty God is. I just want to tell you this morning, when we come to Jesus, we come to a God who is beyond our understanding, who is able to handle every issue, who, who knows you intimately he knows all the things that you're facing. He's actually interested in you. And he is pleased to be a part of your life. He actually wants to engage with you. He wants to work with you, to bless you, and to take you in the direction that he has for you. Because it's always the best direction. Would you say, mighty God? Alright, let's do a time check here. Candace, you sure you want me to keep going slow? <laughs> Jesus is our everlasting Father, our everlasting Father. Uh, Jesus has, if you're taking notes, no beginning and no end. Right? He, he, some translations say ever-living or everlasting. The Hebrew word is ad, and it simply means endless or eternity. Right? We talk about God being um, uh, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus doesn't have a beginning, and he doesn't have an end. He has, he has always existed, and he will always exist. Exists. That's why the author of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's without beginning. He's without end. He will always continue. He will always be faithful. His reign is a forever reign. It will never end. There will always be, in this place, there's always a limit to any human reign or any human government or any human power But Jesus has no limit. He has no uh, limit on his reign, the length of his power, the greatness of his kingdom is eternal and forever. Psalms 92 says, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Secondly, not only is he our everlasting, but he's our everlasting father. Jesus is our great caretaker and protector. Now when we're talking about him as father, we're not saying that somehow he has the same place as father God. We're rather the prophet is describing the quality of his caretaking, the kind of God that the Messiah is going to be, the kind of protector that he has. It speaks here, this word father or av speaks of um, his authority and care, that, that he actually is the one who created us that there's a relationship that we have with him, that we are actually his kids, and and that he loves to be with his kids. He loves to care for his kids. He loves to protect his kids. If you are under the impression today that somehow Jesus is unhappy with you and that he doesn't really want to spend time with you, just, just throw that out. Because the reality is he loves you so much that he's going to continue to wait until you simply turn to him and say, Finally, God, I give up. I I want what you have for me. See, every good father loves to give their children whatever they need. Not not all of us have had great fathers. We maybe have had different experiences with dads, but the the greatness of Father God, he's a perfect dad who's always going to protect, care for, and give his kids. What they need. That's his greatest desire is to see his kids actually be blessed, to move forward, to see all the good things that he has for them. That's who he is. All right. Uh, Lastly, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Would you say Prince Prince of Peace? He's our Prince of Peace. He's beautiful. He's, first of all, the first in everything. When we say prince, it's the Hebrew sar, S-A-R, and it, and it speaks of position, a position of authority and leadership, like a, a captain or a chief or a ruler. And so when we say first, when Jesus is the prince, it means that he's first before all others. This is how Paul says it in Colossians. It says, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In everything, another translation says he might have preeminence. He is before all things. James says he's the first fruit among all creation. See, he's he's the prince. That is, he is the first one who holds all things together. We have a saying here at Quirinia. It's one of our values is that Jesus is everything. This is why we say Jesus is everything, because he's the prince, and he's the first among the creation, the first fruits of creation. He's the first in our lives. He's the first in this church. He should be the first in everything that we do. As followers of Christ, if he's not first, then something's wrong, and so that means he's first before every other thing in our life. Now, I love what it says that he's the first. He's the prince of peace. Now, peace uh, if you're writing, writing notes, I would just say this: His goal is to bring complete peace inside and out. The word peace there is the word shalom. We're familiar with that. Shalom doesn't just mean absence of conflict; it doesn't mean that you're just, you know, you're not fighting actively. It actually means that everything is whole and the way that it should be. There has been a, a restoration of relationship, and so when Jesus comes into our life. What he does, the very first thing that he does when we come into him and under his blood is that he gives us shalom in our relationship with the Father, right? And so in other words, he makes us right with God. Before we have Jesus, we're at war with God. Our sin actually stands and condemns us, and there's no way out. But Jesus comes, and he has actually made us right with God. He paid the penalty that we deserve for our sin and made us so that we could now be in full relationship with the Father. We have complete peace with God. That's why when we pray, he hears our prayers. That's why today, even if you're coming in carrying the guilt of something that you have done, you know that if you are in Christ, He is enough for you. His sacrifice has already been paid for your sin. He has actually already done what needs to be done for your sin to be covered. And what remains for us is simply to once again come under and into his blood, his forgiveness and his goodness. Because there's now nothing that can separate us from the love of God. See, once we are in Christ, there is now shalom in Christ with the Father forever over us. We're experiencing it today in reality. But see, he doesn't want to give you just shalom in heaven with the Father. He wants you also to experience shalom in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your work, in every aspect of your life. There's actually a process that the prince of peace is taking us through of experiencing peace where there was not where there was something just the opposite of that, contention or fear or worry, and he comes in as the Prince of Peace, and he begins to speak peace to us. Let me read a verse and stop gabbing about it. This is what Jesus says, John 14. You know this verse, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. That's what the angel said, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you know who his favor rests on? His favor rests on you. His favor rests on each one of us. He came for us, he came for you, he came for me. He came for the broken, he came for the weary, he came for the weak, he came for the overwhelmed, he came for the messed up, he came for the addict, he came for those that were far away from God, he came for those who were confused, he came for those who were doubting. He came for those who were fearful, those who were broken, those who didn't have it, those who didn't have it together. He came for us. His favor rests today on us. The Prince of Peace is here today to give us his peace. The Prince of Peace is here today to deal with all those issues, all those worries, all those concerns, all those things that you have been carrying, all those burdens that you have been heavily laden with. He says, come to me and I will give you peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding peace that is beyond our our comprehension isn't that the kind of peace that you want it's the kind of peace that I want it's the kind of peace that rests that when it rest can rest on your home that's the peace that lives in my home that when when people come to my house they like it and they don't want to leave I don't really like that part of it but there's 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 a there's a presence in my house it's the presence of God there's a peace that's in my house because it's it's part of the territory belongs to jesus as part of the kingdom of god and and i don't let we don't we fight for peace in our house and we're not just fighting for natural peace we're fighting for supernatural peace and so when things disrupt our peace we say "Uh, uh-uh, that's not the way it works this house is a house that belongs to jesus jesus is the prince of peace his presence dwells in this place when we come into this house there's there's rest there's wholeness there's restoration when we sleep in this house there's healing and there's, there, there's actually an experience of God's presence. That's what you want in your house. That's what I want in my house. I want the Prince of Peace to be with us, to be with us. And let me read it to you one last time. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you stand to your feet right now? Let's just take a moment right before we end the service. I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come down. If you just close your eyes, let's just take a moment and just speak to the Prince of Peace. Let's speak to the mighty God. Let's speak to the ever-living Father. Let's speak to him who is the wonderful counselor. Jesus, we're coming to you right now. Just in the quietness of your heart, wherever you've been in the service, whether you've been distracted or focused, whether you fell asleep, wherever you're at right now, just right now, just begin just to call out to the Lord. Just say, Jesus, would you visit me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Jesus, I I want you as the wonderful counselor. I need you, Lord, to to guide me and to lead me. I need a Father who would be everlasting, who would not fail. I need a God who who is the Prince of Peace, who, who would bring peace into my life. Lord, we need you today. Jesus, we're calling out to you this morning. We're asking that you would reveal yourself to us. We're praying, Lord, that in this season of time, that we would not miss you, that we would not get distracted. We would stop running around so quickly and that we would miss what you're doing. Jesus, would you come in this place, in this house, for every person, every man, woman, and child that's here, every person that's hearing my voice, Jesus, would you come and would you make a home in our lives? Would you bring your peace to our lives? Would you bring your counsel, Lord, into those areas where we don't have the answers? Would you bring your healing, Lord, into those areas of brokenness? Would you be the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Would you be the first among all other things? Lord, wherever we have found satisfaction or distraction in other things, would you forgive us? Would you even right now, Lord, begin to remove from our lives, remove from our hearts, those things that have kept us from the Prince of Peace. Those things that have kept us, Lord, from com- for coming to you as the wonderful counselor. Lord Jesus, would you lead us and guide us in your way? Would you teach us, Lord, the truth of what you have for us? Would you establish our footsteps? Wherever, Lord, we are out of alignment, would you bring us into alignment, we pray. Jesus, would you be exalted in every home, And in every life, I pray in your name. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over your people today. Lord, would you just, as they go, strengthen them and equip them for the days that are ahead. Lord, in this season of gathering with family and running in many different directions, I pray your face would shine brightly upon them, that your presence would indwell them richly, Lord, that they would be people of difference, they would be presence carriers, peace carriers, that as they go into their homes, Lord, of their family and their friends, that there would be something different on them, that they would bring reconciliation and life and peace, that their mouths would be filled with praise, that as they open, Lord, the door to friends and family and welcome them that they would find and discover that you have already met with them because you are the Prince of Peace over their lives. We declare this in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Merry Christmas to you.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times Including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Visit our website at kchanford.com. Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.